0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mailbag. My name is Marcus, and with me is that man we all call Andy.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Cracking champion yourself?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Uh, To add a little bit of drama to this day's, today's Mailbag, what I've done is I've got a small pile of pound coins on my desk um, that I've sort of lined up in a sort of Jenga fashion, so you know alternately they have like alternate sides sticking out so i think they're pretty stable but they might tumble to the ground or tumble to the desk and make a racket at some point during the show you're gonna have to keep listening to find out if that's the case
0: Well, Andy, if you hear sudden cheering and whooping and screaming, it is because uh, the neighbours. I'm sitting in a slightly different position, closer to the window, and the neighbours can see that uh, the mailbag is currently being recorded and they're showing their appreciation. <laughs> Bless them. Um, well, Andy, it's it's a warm day uh, here in uh, in in the southeast of England. No doubt, other parts of uh, these islands are, are roasting as well. So we're going to crack on and uh, we're going to take a question from uh, DamoG81, or if that's uh, Damog81, I, I do forgive me, uh, Dam. Um, Andy, it was a question um, which was actually uh, on the Ask the Ramble thread, but uh, as we know, this fine gentleman is, is a part of the, the mailbag thread. We thought we'd bring it in. And He's asking you this, Andy. Uh, obviously, we know how you feel about Memphis, because you're a big Memphis Depay fan, of course, uh, and um, and and the the questioner has says, "I miss him and wish he would come back to Manchester United for that release calls." Uh, but what's your view on Moussa Dembélé? Heavily linked to both uh, Manchester United and Chelsea, and has a pretty solid record for Leon. Is he good enough for that step up, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think. Obviously well, obviously, we'll give a bit of love to Memphis first, um, <laughs> simply because he's elsewhere in in, in, in the question. Mm. Uh, yeah, I really hope he signs again with Lyon. Uh, talking of release clauses, he's only got a year left on his contract, Memphis. Mm. So, Lyon are in a bit of um, a delicate position with him. Of course, he's the, the captain of the, the team at the moment. And I suspect he's probably a little bit angered at when I went to uh, Lyon just for Christmas, I think it was, for a, for, a, for a game last year. I spotted a Memphis Depay figurine in, ah. in the shop and after posting up a picture of it on Twitter, I think it was the excellent writer and podcaster Priya Ramesh who pointed out um, he didn't have any tattoos on his arms. Oh. Like, how can you do a figure of Memphis that doesn't have tattoos on his arms. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It, mm. is, it is ridiculous. Um, but we wanted to talk about um, Moussa Dembele. And also, seeing as you were saying, um, Marcus, that uh, Damo's um, question was on the Ask the Ramble thread. Um, Mason wrote beneath, I- I've seen somewhere this morning, possibly the Times, that Leon and United have done a deal for Dembele for £60 million. Now... Realise things might have, have changed in a um, post-COVID-19 environment. If I was in a position of power at Lyon and I received an offer anywhere near that for Moussa Dembélé, I couldn't say... Yes, quickly enough, and I really? would ask probably to receive it in cash. Andy, um, you know,
0: I I always thought you were in a position of power at Lyon for some reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 maybe maybe I will be if uh, Jean Michel Olas keeps on shooting himself in the foot during this crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on everyone, um,
0: Monsieur Brassel's turning up this week. We've got to be on. Play.
1: <laughs> Me and Janino, the dream ticket, I think. Oh. Uh, and, and anyway. Uh, th- I think if you look at um Moussa Dembele's goal record at, uh, at Lyon you you cannot argue with it. It's it's really really good and he's he's made the step up quite well since arriving from Celtic. Um but he didn't go into the team immediately when he when he arrived from Celtic. Um he, he played quite a lot of games off the bench um last season and by last season I mean 2018-19 I know this whole thing is skewed our perceptions of time so if it feels like I'm repeating stuff that, that yeah, that's why yeah, yeah. um, and he, he, he scored a decent amount of goals despite um, only coming off the bench and um, a lot of the time it was felt that him and Memphis, the aforementioned Memphis, couldn't be in the same team together um, especially since Memphis enjoys very much playing centre forward these, these days now this season uh, Musa Dembélé has done a lot to Properly on up, that um, they've not had a great season, and they would have been even further down the table if it wouldn't have been for for, for his goals. Um, he's going along at a, a, a pretty decent lick in in Ligue 1. as a finisher. There's there's no doubt about him. He's he's such a good finisher. He has this really strange thing as well. If you see slow mo video footage of him or photos of him when he's in the act of scoring a goal. Just as he's striking the balls, his eyes get really wide like saucers, Ah. um, which is something I I find particularly endearing about him. Oh, yeah. But he's he's a great finisher with either foot. What
0: what, what position is he playing for Leon? Because, I mean, I remember him playing at Fulham. Yeah, that's what I thought, because I remember at Fulham, he was on the wing. And I know that was a little bit of time ago now. And he still scored goals from there. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Uh, And and I actually thought... I thought it was it was interesting that when he was at Fulham, of course, he was linked to Spurs as as they all are at Fulham who who show any kind of promise uh, and yeah. he didn't go and he obviously went to Celtic and now he's at Lyon um, and then he's still playing well and now there's the big money move potentially as, as you say. I just, I find it like interesting that a player like that might have gone too early to a Spurs or something. Now we obviously never know whether that would have worked out or not but I think that it's, it's a slightly more gradual approach, if you, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it is.
1: It is. And I think there's there's a lot to be said for managing your career in that way. Mm. I mean, it, it sounds a, a funny thing to say because clearly he's, he's he's got an enormous amount of natural talent. And like I said, he's a great finisher with either foot or with his head. He can find space really well. And his goals have made an enormous difference this season. I feel, and people at the club feel, that he's still developing at 23 years of age. And we have this view nowadays, I think, that at 23 years of age, you should be developed past tense. And just like you were saying, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe a slightly unusual career arc. It's a bit more gradual. Now, for me, developing, still developing at the age of 23 is completely normal. Take in a more gradual uh, step to, towards an enormous club, so a bit at a time, mm. is a more healthy, more normal way of, of doing things. But if I'm Manchester United or Chelsea or any other team that m- might potentially be interested in him for that matter, I want to see a lot more outside the penalty box from, than I'm, I'm, I'm getting from Musa mm. Dembélé. Because outside the box, and this is particularly clear... In a team like lyon and in a culture like lyon because of course they rely heavily on academy players and and, and have done throughout all their successful periods in over the last 30, 30 plus years is that you have to be able to play as well um now there's there's a story i told before about um claudio bovu um who uh, used to play for, for, for Lyon and um, he arrived from Gangamp where he'd beaten Didier Drogba's record for goals scored for the club in a single season so mm-hmm. you know he's no mug by, by yeah. any stretch of the imagination um, but the feeling around him was that he was just a finisher because Corentin Tolisso famously went on French under 21 duty and um, sat in the dressing room and said yeah, the, the, uh, is he's, he's hopeless. He's not good enough to play with us. The, the, the guy's got first touch like a tractor. And obviously, there were players in that French under-21 squad who were from Gangon, who knew him. Mm. As soon as they were out of the dressing room, they brought him up and told him exactly what Tolisso had said. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Tolisso got in trouble for that. And he it, it, it was, it was dropped and disciplined. Um, but it does say a lot about what the culture is there. Um, that he's not been viewed that way, Dembele, is a reflection on, A, the fact he's a little bit younger, B, he's an exceptional finisher, and C, that they feel that there's something to work with. So it's not to say he'll never get there in terms of what he can do outside the penalty box, Um, but I feel, certainly in the context of a team that likes to play and has good players, there's there's not enough there when he's he's not scoring goals, and so yeah. I mean Leon already have a replacement lined up. They've signed Tino Karawere, uh, the Zimbabwean striker who scored a lot of goals in League Two this season from Love in January, and they left him at Love for what turned out to be very little of the rest of the season, and they're they're going to pick him up in 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 2021. So even if he takes um some time to adapt to Ligue 1. Hopefully, from their perspective, they'll hold on to Memphis as well. They should be kind of stocked in that position. So if they got a decent offer for Moussa Dembélé, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they let him go. But I would say, don't expect the world in a day. Oh, attention, là. Griffiths qui est passé. Attention. qu'est-ce qu'il va nous faire
0: on uh, to Tom's question. <clears throat> Tom says, just wanted to get both of your thoughts on Troy Deeney's comments and then the subsequent positive test results from Watford. Um, Tom does say this might be more of a Jules and Andy topic, but my question is, do you think Deeney's handled the, this the right way and asked questions that have needed to be asked? And from that, have the Premier League gone about this the right way, not regarding playing games again or not? Andy, what did you think of Troy Deeney's comments? Who, who you know He mentioned about the his concern about the spread of virus, and so well, ultimately. Well,
1: f- firstly, I, I don't think Troy Deeney being forthright is something we should be particularly shocked at. <laughs> I mean, he had some he had some comments about the German footballers as, as well this week, where oh, did, uh, I didn't he, see what, what did he say there. He said, "I watched it for three minutes, oh, thought it was, was th- thought it was shit, and went and did yoga with my kids." <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 pretty They've much tried- a. A quote machine, isn't he? Um, So I don't don't think you want to take it all super seriously. But obviously this is different because it is Mm -hmm. a a serious matter. And he's someone who I think is worth listening to, Troy Deeney, because Mm. he's someone who has come from a background and come up through football in a way that he has perspective on life, not just on football, but on how it fits into life. Now, i think especially in an era when a lot of fans and media people i guess um of which we are both in, in a sort of bizarre intersection aren't we <laughs> um i i think i still have the feeling that um footballers are a, a little detached from from life and or from normal people's lives and um you know i think we've all seen people on Social media say how can footballers complain about going back when they've got the, the creme de la creme in in medical attention? And um, you know, I've had to go to to work all along being a delivery driver or working in a warehouse, and you know, I, I understand yeah. that. I think I think that's valid, but but that's why I think this coming from Troy Deeney is worth greater consideration than coming from. 90% of footballers because he is a guy who gets it. He is a guy who absolutely gets normal life. He's, he's a, he's a football in every man, even even if he is earning an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of money, which I'm sure is beyond his wildest dreams these days. So I think it is worth listening to. And the other thing is, whether you think that he's got a point or not, especially at the moment, you have to listen to, to everyone in every aspect of life because as we've seen and obviously it's magnified in football but when people are looking for ways around solutions particularly in an unprecedented situation they just tend to blurt out whatever's on their mind it, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of um vocal brainstorming at the moment isn't there yeah so i, th- I think it is you're getting more of an expression of people's feelings because we mm-hmm. um Brits like to guard our feelings a little bit. We we're not we don't always say what's on our minds, do we? Mm. So I think it's something that should be embraced, particularly as we try and look for solutions. And I think this is so important because, um, not to say that Troy Deeney speaks for every footballer. I'm I'm not sure if he does, and you know I I don't think he would claim that either. But I feel at the moment that there are quite a lot of footballers uneasy with the situation of coming back in the Premier League and mm-hmm. as we've seen elsewhere if you don't have the buy-in from players or at least a large majority buy-in from players it's not going to happen
0: yeah yeah and I think yeah, yeah I agree with all that Andy I think just to add to that that um you know whatever one may think's or whatever one may think politically and all that that kind of stuff. You know, the situation in terms of numbers, you could quite easily make a case has been more under control in Germany than it is in in this country, in yeah. Italy and and in Spain. Now, I'm, I have read something today about the, the disunity in regions and uh, thought patterns is, is growing in Germany. So they they will have their issues, of course they will. So we're not saying oh the Germans are perfect and uh, you know how can we possibly follow them, but. But, but if you're a footballer and again you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at the way the country has responded it is understandable if you may feel that the situation is a bit more under control and you feel a, therefore a little bit safer uh, and a little bit more uh, comfortable with the with the sort of the circumstances or the or the scenario that's being presented to you whereas, whereas here that's Perhaps less of the of the case, if you see, trying to put it as diplomatically yeah. as possible, and and I understand for uh, the, the the footballers' feeling on this completely. However, I did find Jonathan Wilson's piece in in the Guardian recently quite interesting. Jonathan gently and sensitively nudging people to think: actually, it it, it should be okay if football comes back. None of us are medical experts who are commenting on this. Uh, blah, bloody, blah, 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 but a decision does need to be made and unless you ask every single footballer what their opinions are, you will not know what the opinions are of every single footballer and also the situation is changing so much it is quite difficult to say, but uh, as you mentioned before, yes, Troy Deeney loves a comment and loves a quote and so on, but actually that doesn't mean to say we should dismiss it.
1: No, absolutely, and we we can't hold people to one comment forever. I think you made a really good point there, Marcus, in that <clears throat> the situation is changing really rapidly. So what he thought on Monday might mm-hmm. not be what he thinks on thought on Wednesday or what he thinks yeah. on Friday or, or or Saturday, and we we can't <laughs> presume that. And it's not unreasonable for people mm-hmm. to change their mind as the facts change. That's intelligent. Yeah. Changing your mind as the facts change. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, b- by the time this uh, this mailbag goes out, Andy, he could be driving around in his car with a megaphone saying, "Bring back the Premier League." So we just <laughs> don't know. We, we we do not know. Uh, it's moving uh, to, for, for a question here. From uh, now, there was some uh, debate around uh, this uh, chap's name on the Discord. Uh, if I may have a go at the the Irish pronunciation, Doi, um, but David, Daniel and Donal, I believe he's happy with, or or perhaps not so happy with, but you know who you are, my good man. Um, And this is the question. uh, Do you think this completely random extended mid-season break will benefit the teams with smaller squads that use the same 11 pretty much every week? I'm thinking of Lazio now having a refreshed squad for the title run-in, whereas Juventus' squad is quite bloated. Or Sheffield United in England, for their top four brackets, five. Chase, probably five. Um, I'm sure there are better examples, but those are the ones that spring to mind for me. So, Andy, do you think that this um, will benefit the smaller teams with with smaller squads, providing, of course, that uh, that you're not allowed to use five substitutes when when football or if football does return? Because surely that will benefit the big squads,
1: which it will be because yeah. e- even the even the Bundesliga, which was. Um, the most reticent about taking it on, took it on uh, two days before the start of the, um, the, the resumption of of, of the Bundesliga. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, it will make a difference. Um, the, the question I think with the five subs thing is not whether people will take it on because all the top leagues will take it on. La Liga was the first to say it would do it. And I, th- I think they'll all do it, but, but will it stay? Because if it stays, after um the resumption of normal life or mm-hmm. however it pans out, um if this proves if this proves to be a long-term thing in the game, I th- I think that's that's an issue. I think that's a that's that's mm. a big issue. Um but I really love the question actually because it's a different way round of of thinking about it, isn't it? Mm, and yeah. um I, th- I think the the question is is how refreshed are you from it? Now, I guess now that the only thing we can take any sort of reference for, albeit, from, albeit on a very small sample size, is the Bundesliga. Now, that first weekend of the Bundesliga, which is the only weekend we've seen as we record the show, I don't know what you thought, Marcus, but for me, the standard of play was way, way higher than I was expecting. I was expecting um, very tentative, which some of the games were at the very beginning, but I was expecting a lot more uh, disjointed, half-committed sort of football. And we didn't really get any of that. If you could paint in the crowd behind it, which actually you kind of could on um, Mm. Sky Germany because they allowed you an option to, if you're a subscriber, to layer on team-specific chants and cheers in the right places and all that Uh, sort of stuff, which is something for the Premier League to think about. Who knows? Do, do you remember it? Do you remember the in the old days on Sky when you used to be able to take the commentary off, so you could just oh, yeah, hear the the, the the crowd noise, couldn't you? Yeah. When they were experimenting with crazy camera angles and all through right. the rest of it at the and, and like. all that crap. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah it's very much like '80s Top of the Pops. Google <laughs> it, younger um, younger viewers, younger listeners, and um, yeah, I, I sort of I think it's is interesting the idea that though they've not been on holiday by any stretch of the imagination that they have been at least physically relieved at a stage of the season when they're normally reaching their peak workload no one's really considered that might actually be strangely beneficial now obviously there's so much more more to it than that there's the mental side of it and some players will manage that better than others um But I think the first weekend of the Bundesliga did give us an idea that maybe, maybe it's quite helpful. The other thing we did see is um, Dortmund in that game against Schalke, who've got much greater depth than anyone gives them credit for. They're missing a ton of players and and they were still fantastic. Um, So I still think the big squads will be... um, We'll have the advantage. But but the Lazio question is a really interesting one. Of all these teams, I'm really interested in, in all these different leagues. I'm the most interested to see how Lazio react when they come back. Because, yes, as you say, Marcus, the advantage should be with Juventus, who are rocking this ridiculously enormous squad this season, a bit like Real Madrid in 2016-2017, um, which is clear that... They can't sustain for long term because it's just too expensive. They, they can't manage that wage bill for for too long. But as it turns out, of all the seasons in which you could have an, an absolutely massive squad, this is the ideal season to have an absolutely massive squad. In, um, I, I think the thing with Juventus and it's something we spoke about on on the continent, on the latest on the continent, is the fact that they have a lot of players of a similar profile particularly in midfield. Now, whether that's an advantage in this situation because you're replacing like for like and by changing five players a game, it's not going to stylistically affect the team that much. We don't really know. But I really like the question and I really like the idea that there's a different way of looking at it. I, I always love the, the, the idea that there's a different way of looking at things. But that Lazio have that familiarity have that continuity, but just click back into it. Because, of course, they were in incredible form when the the hiatus arrived. All right,
0: Andy, we'll finish with this from Lee R., who says, are there any trips you would recommend to lower league clubs in Europe? Of course, not at the moment, Lee. (laughs) Ha ha ha. I know there's a rich vein of clubs in Germany, I've been to Blauweiss, 90, Berlin, forgive pronunciation, who were really friendly. Uh, But uh, would be interested to know if there were any others that were worth a visit when we're finally allowed to travel again. Anything leap to mind, Andy, other than AFC Wimbledon?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think when we head out on the continent, honestly, I've got a limited frame of reference here because uh, most, most of my experiences. Watching and covering top flight teams away, but I, I think there's um, a, a few that need um, bringing up. Firstly, and um, yeah, they're, they're only they're in they're in the second tier, which I guess is still pretty high up. But for for the purposes of this question, mm-hmm. we're going to go outside the, the the top division of each country. Oh. Um, Rayo Vallecano is a must do. I, I really think really? it is. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, it's um, really easy to get to in the center of madrid it's got a very very strong ultra culture um they're very much a a a team of the people Uh, they've got a very interesting three-sided ground which has been three-sided for 20 years plus so um i think they've given up on the idea that that's going to be completed it's very much the kassam stadium of madrid Right. right. um but I had a really interesting first experience when I went there because um a lot of people quite rightly will want to go behind the goal um with the bucaneros who are the, the, the main local ultra love, group. Love, love those guys. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um but I was queuing for a ticket outside and it's happened to me a couple of times when like um I guess friends of the players or family of the players got complimentary tickets that they're not using and they sell them onto you cheaper than the face value and so i ended up accidentally buying a ticket for the posh seats off one of these guys who was ditching <laughs> a load of comps and right. i was uh sat in amongst a row of um old ladies and uh, thing, Andy. they were <clears throat> They were having a really quite detailed tactical discussion and it's something that um phil ball touches on in his brilliant um, book on spanish football and spanish football culture Moribo, ab- about how it's quite a, a jarring thing at first when you're in spain and you you, f- you find like sort of thing he said he found in, in in cafes you find groups of old women discussing like tactics because that's not not really something that you're used to in the yeah, in the yeah. UK uh, and they were that they were these old ladies in my row they were going through in quite detail where they thought the the head coach had set up wrong and they offered me a lot of biscuits at the same time which was nice. a really nice combination of traditional british grandmotherisms and yeah. less traditional British grandmotherisms, which, mm-hmm. which 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 I enjoyed immensely. I think if I was picking for somewhere for you to have a look at outside the top yeah. division, in Should um, me or, or Lear or me, no, you, Marcus. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I know yeah, you softly. were very you are very fond of the Jurassic Park vibes of Amiens when I we was, went yes. over there and when we did at the match there. Another. And by the
0: way, Andy, it's a, it's a disgrace that they'll be a uh, second tier side next season.
1: Yeah, well, uh, th- think that's that's not over yet. That's not over. Um, right not just not, over. not just I'm because spell <laughs> not just because spellers preparing a petition, um, <laughs> but but for that sort of for that sort of ground, um, I would also recommend the Stade des Alpes, which belongs to Grenoble, who okay. since they um well they they played they were playing in the top flight when i lived there um they're now in the second tier having gone bankrupt all the way down to the fourth tier Mm. and now they're they're on the way back up but it's kind of a a a very nice new twenty thousand type stadium very very Mm. nice indeed and i would i would um I would love to go back there sometime. And talk, talking of that link with lower leagues. I, I, I was I interviewed after the game. Um there's a guy who Sutton United fans will be uh familiar with called uh Nassim Akrua. And he had an incredible story talking of going through the different divisions because uh he went over to he came over to Britain as a student. Mm-hmm. um and i think he got a degree in electrical engineering or something he um played for sutton and woking and was very popular while he was over in the uk mm-hmm. and anyway he found his way to grenoble and I, th- I suppose he would have been about 30 then and he came up the divisions with them and in their first season up he scored the winner away at paris saint-germain the parc de Princes.
0: <laughs> nice
1: Oh I mean, it's an incredible it's story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's 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 pretty good. So, um, I, would, I would recommend those two. St- sorry, bit of an aside there, but I'd I recommend those those two stadiums that, that I, I like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Marbella is good for an afternoon in the sun, and also if you're going to Marbella. Malaga, yeah. I
0: mean Malaga would be a good side because people yeah, I think...
1: goodness, goodness knows what division they'll be in next season Marcus yeah, oh goodness, I mean yeah. we we could be talking about really lower division football by then
0: we could but you know what it's funny because obviously Malaga has a certain reputation um, mm. among uh, you know British people for being a bit of a, a, a place where a certain type of British tourist goes um, but it is actually more Marbella and Torremolinos where they, they, they tend to end up but I went to Mar- yeah. um, Malaga beautiful little city like it fact, really not that is. little, actually. It's a beautiful city. It's really, really nice. And honestly, to to go there, because when I think of going to see a match in the lower leagues, I think, yeah, unless you have a particular um, affiliation or there's a team that you've watched over the whatever it may be, then think about the surrounding area. And Malaga would be an excellent choice. I can't, I can't really recommend it enough. You'd, you'd be very surprised, I think, if you go to Malaga. It is not... Um, you know sort of trashy or anything like that it really is a beautiful old spanish city
1: it Um, is Uh, the thing is with with malaga marcus is people mm. use it as a transit point don't they rather than spending any actual time in the city and the the city's Mm. fantastic Um, it's got a lot going for it yeah la Rosaleda is a good place to go and watch a game and they Mm. they have an english supporters club who sure. sing, who do chants in in English, and when the goals are announced, they're announced in, over the tannoy in Spanish and English, which is which I is mean. quite quite culturally interesting. But the reason mm. I mention Marbella is mean, it's, it's very old school. But if you're out of season, you have a lot of teams, like big teams, who go over there and do um, warm weather training in in yeah. winter. So um, German teams russian teams so if you fancy yourself a little bit of winter sun it's it's a it's a great way to go you can uh just sit there in, in the sun have a drink catch a few rays and then watch oh. like dinamo kiev or rubin kazan or dortmund or whatever playing this rickety old stadium it's fun <laughs>
0: that's all right i suppose a few from me and again i'm thinking more the surrounding area but the whole sort of romance of of it as well to see um como play up by Lake Como mm. would be brilliant in in Chi um Venetia, or of Venice I'll stick to Venice uh, which again obviously would be would be rather lovely and for the history and I don't know what the area is like but I know it's it's in between Turin and Milan but Provicelli just a historian yes. all that kind of stuff I think might be quite a nice one um so there you are Lee uh, a lot to get through when the lockdown's over so good luck for that but you've got plenty of time to plan haven't you so no excuses. Send us a postcode. Uh, There we are, Andy. We've reached uh, the end of our time on on this week's mailbag. Thank you very much for your questions. I do appreciate it. It's it's tricky at the moment to uh, think of questions, uh, but but do get them on uh, the Discord app, or you can email them, of course, to the um, OTC address. You can tweet Andy and I. Plenty of uh, opportunities and channels to to get your questions in, people. So do not be shy. Uh, But thank you very much, Andy Brassel, indeed.
1: Thanks for having me and thank you, Ramblers.
0: Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, Stay safe, enjoy the sunshine, and we'll see you very, very soon for another mailbag. Ta ta. This was a Stakhanov production.